smell something? Put that cookie Hello down. and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. I'm Chanstar. That was our wonderful intro music by Nathan Irwin. Uh, we are filmmakers, we're fans, and we're feeling a bit fervent about a certain paradoxical Apparent, movie, oh, aren't we? Clip, 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 it's clip. not a paradox. That's not how paradoxes work. Uh, well, I really had the shoe on that title when he's like, like the news in the, oh, booth. In the It's news a Cloverfield <laughs> paradox. Why did they just call it the Cloverfield particle? Oh, that well, it's called the God particle. Yeah, so yeah. they're just like, the clip, like that would have been <laughs> yeah. just as relevant as the current title. Anyway, but before we get into that, we are talking about adaptations today in in a weird way. You say before we get into that, isn't the section what have you been watching? It's going to be first? the it is. The this is thing. true. This is true. I don't know what I'm saying. But Shane, what well, have you we, been watching? We do an intro about no. We do an intro about yeah, what Shane. we're talking about. We're talking about adaptations. Okay, <laughs> we're talking about adaptations. But before we do that. We ask, as always, the question, what have you been watching? And you just... Yeah, yeah I asked you first, Shane, because okay, yeah, okay. I'm a nice friend. Well, uh, I watched The Cloverfield Paradox, obviously, because you guys were like, you have to watch it, you have to watch yeah. it. I was putting off watching it. Do we want to get into that at the end? I'll like, list yeah, the other things. So. Okay, yeah. yeah we'll come back um, around. I saw The Shape of Water for the third oh, cool. time nice. on a huge 25-meter screen. Whoa. They under-projected, so a lot of the, it lost a lot of detail in the blacks, which really annoyed the shit out of me, because that cinema is normally very good. But um, it was great to see Big. Uh, I cried again. It's it's so gorgeous. Um, I've been catching up on Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is nice. always good. The current season's maybe not their strongest, but it's pretty reliable. Mm. Um, I finished uh, season two of Great News, which wrapped it up really well. Actually, if they get cancelled, which is likely because their ratings are shit, um, you know, it's it's going to be a pretty good sign off. Uh, Tracy Wigfield, the creator of the show, she stars in it. And not stars in it, she's like a tiny character. And she gave herself the last line of the episode. So, you know, I think, I think maybe she... I, I would do that as well. I would <laughs> definitely do that. Um, and then I've been catching up on Fresh Off the Boat, season four. Right, yeah. Which is a really yeah, great family show. Fun. Constance Wu is amazing. I can't wait. She's set to star in a movie called Crazy Rich Asians, directed by <laughs> Justin Lin. I'm like sold on the title and Constance Wu. And then you had Justin Lin and then the rest and of the dubs. cast they've Just been booking. Dubs everywhere. Yeah, the, the rest of the cast they've been booking is really great. Um, and then I watched the Netflix movie When We First Met. Yes. Which was interesting. I mean... I saw a chance conversation about that on Facebook. I was like, I'm going to avoid oh, that. Like, you see, I, I, it's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. It's just when people say that it's a time loop movie, they're fucking wrong. It's not No, a time it, loop. it's big, but just... Naked was a time loop. Yeah, Naked right. was a time loop. Yeah. Groundhog Day is a time loop. This isn't a time loop. This is more it like It uses the effect. same kind of element-ish. It just uses the same kind of... Um, it's like big, yeah. but yeah. he gets but to do it about like the... 50 times in the one movie yeah. as opposed to doing it once. Um, I think... I was saying this chance before. I think without Adam Devine, it would have fallen to pieces. He's very... He's endearing. He's an endearing... It holds things together. Yeah. yeah. Um, the rest of the characters were kind of crap. And they had this really cool thing, though, is because every time he went back, however he treated the girl to try and get her on to be together with him, then when he went back into the present day, it made him the kind of person who, like, you know, if he treated her like shit, he turned into a douche with, like, douchey hair and... That's exactly and what yeah. the butterfly effect does. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happens to the butterfly effect. No. You yes. Just, no, because the butterfly effect was a closed loop. Those time things existed the whole time, didn't they? No, because he would always go back. No, because it had repercussions. And then he'd come it? back. There was but specific... he had those blank spots anyway. Because that's the end. Because no. when he spoils the He had them the when he was a kid. He... They established that at the very beginning of the movie. That's why he read the diary. So he'd read the diary, go back in time, change it, 
And then he'd come back and have to deal with the consequences. And that's why he ended up going back in time and killing himself. In the room. There was specifically a God, timeline where he I just remember that movie back. being so bad. Oh, it is. Because everyone said to watch it if I liked Donnie Darko. Try, no, try the sequels. Off. Try the sequels. Oh, yeah, the sequels. They're, they're they're they make that first one look amazing. Really? But, but, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the butterfly effect. There is specifically a timeline <laughs> where he acts a little douchey and then he goes forward through time and he's in college and he's a massive douchebag. And he has sex with Amy Smart and she's like, you'd never used those moves on me before. Is there any actor who hasn't had sex with Amy Smart on a film? Let's be honest. Mm. It's like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but a new version. Of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's all. And other than the Cleverfield Paradox, there. Josh, what have you been watching? Uh, I recently rewatched uh, the Lord of the Rings, the extended edition trilogy. Oh, nice. so, Did you watch it with Craig? Because I saw he no, had he he was watching the whole thing, everyone, like the normal theatrical oh, versions. Okay, yeah, so yeah. yeah, I watched for them. There was um, like three people yeah. I know who did like Lord of the Rings marathon. Why was, now? Was, uh, like why this, like what's significant yeah, about this week? About February because it's, none of them came out in February. It was realistically I, it's the first time I had the time and <laughs> I was just like, well, it's the, a year I made like I watch it yearly so I might as well do it. And yeah, and with, this time though I didn't watch it all in one go. Usually I, I do, but um it kind of expanded that across a week cuz I had to do meetings and stuff, but like it was yeah, still good. Question, you know, do you yes. prefer extended or the theatrical? Extended. Really? It's the only ones I watch. No, no, but do you prefer the extended or the theatrical? I prefer, I prefer them. The extended. Oh, really? This See, is interesting to get into about when we actually get on the adaptation mm. topic because I prefer the extended editions. I absolutely. But I think I, the the, uh, the original theatrical are better movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't they're get me wrong. Movies. I can feel they're like movies, but I prefer they're, the they're, they're better, like but pace what, what everything. Do you but get that you didn't get other than just some more world building. Some more world building. Some more. That's literally, literally that's actually. But that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't make the experience and any. That was my better. problem it with just, the Hobbit. Was that the Hobbit felt like extended editions, and then they released extended editions. It was. It was, it was extended by because they took the Silmarillion movies. as well. Yeah. <laughs> It was extended by two whole movies. That's how extended because they that crammed was. in all that extra content from talking. But it wasn't. It was so bad. Um, <laughs> we don't, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, anything else? Anything else? Uh, no, just solid. Like works. But um, yeah, I just prefer them just because like I like the world building and I just enjoy all the little additions. Plus, some things are fleshed out a bit better. So. Yeah, no pom- Tom Bombadil though. No Tom Bombadil. Well, they gave his lines to Treebeard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so well, they gave his role. The to only scene I liked from the extended ones is in the third one when Saruman like throws fireballs because I just love wizards having actual magic, <laughs> and they never did at any other point. And I was really depressed that they they cut out the one scene where like someone can throw a fireball. And I can't remember if it's the second or third film, but I remember in the extended cut, there's a scene where. Uh, Aragorn goes to drink what's her face's soup and it's disgusting. Oh yeah, because like she, she's like, out. um, she's like, you're eighty years old, and he's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah, like that, drinking the soup. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It's just a fun little scene. It's a fun uh, scene, and it's totally unnecessary, but it's fun. And I like getting seeing Saruman get stabbed in the back. Yeah, and it falls nice. off yeah. the well, that, that, That's yeah, the sequence that's I really like because yeah. I just wanted more of the wizards. Mm. Um, what about you, Chancellor? What have you? Uh, so yeah. I've actually had a lot of free time on my hands. So I've been watching movies. It's great. Um, so this week I uh, I watch. I was kind of like going on a horror rampage. So I, uh, I watched, need to do one of them. So nice. I watched The Void again. Because, that's what's uh, What did you I, think of it? That's I really enjoyed it. I it's it's not a great great movie. I love the ending. Very uh, Lovecraftian sort of. Uh, I just thought there's a point in the movie. It's yeah. about 
80% of the way in. It's when they cut to, and she's got like the thing inside of her and all that. Yeah. I was just like, I feel like there was mm. like 40 minutes of a movie that just went missing between this, because it's like missing such reels. a huge jump in what's happened yeah. with absolutely no follow through. It's when they reveal the, you know, the twist of the, who the bad guy is. I love yeah. the design of the world. I love the tone. I love the way mm. they shot it. I love the performances. I was just, it felt like the story was kind of like a couple of things mishmashed together without connective tissue being built. Yeah. There. It was like a lot of good ideas just kind of strung together, which um, I, I enjoyed like everything visually about it, but yeah, agree with you on the story. Um, I watched a, a Netflix, oh, well, it's a movie that's on Netflix called the vault. Which I literally oh, James saw. Franker. James Franco's yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. he's in it. Oh, I, I literally <laughs> saw it because it's about some bank robbers who go to rob a it's bank, haunted. and the vault is haunted. haunted. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous setup, but it's, a, it's it was a generally good movie. Um, I saw. Well, I didn't see the exact ending coming, but I was like, "Oh, I know exactly this is going to happen," <laughs> and I was very close. Um, but yeah, it was good. Pretty scary. Uh, the reason the vault is haunted made sense as well. Was it actually scary though, or was it just there were about three scary moments? But I was also home alone uh, in the middle of the See, night. See, I so. found the void to be very uh, it's atmospheric. I love the atmosphere of the yep. void. I just didn't hate like what the plot, where the plot went to. Mm. Whereas a lot of horror movies now, I think they don't build atmosphere at all. The void is one of those classic movies where it focuses so much on atmosphere whereas i don't think the vault did that as much it kind of did when it was actually in the vault but otherwise not really it reminded me of event horizon in fact uh that you scared the shit yeah. out of you but i watched it on a plane and you got just this, this sense of that you cannot get out of a plane when it's like thirty five thousand <laughs> feet in the sky man Come imagine on, how Shane, much scary it the door. and you're also like less oxygen so you're just a little more prone that's why people, people there's this cry, whole thing about people plane who cry on planes the, yeah. when watching rom-coms yep and oh, wow. yeah, Tarantino bawled his eyes out at Ghost of the Girlfriend's Past. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. no, no, he, yeah. Uh, and I got really scared on Event Horizon because I was also, I have that thing where you can kind of catch when it's a flash frame, I can kind of catch the full yeah. detail of a flash frame when you do enough editing yeah. that you start to, and I was like seeing all the shit in like the other side for like in full vivid detail. And I was just like, oh. Imagine how much scarier that movie would have been if you were on a spaceship at the time. Oh my Damn. God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched Cooties, which was... Cooties. I've seen the trailer before. There, there was a great moment talking at Lord of the Rings where uh, one of the characters call, um, uh, what's his name? What's Frodo's name? Elijah Wood. Elijah, Elijah Wood. He calls Elijah Wood a hobbit. Nah. And it's just like this <laughs> small, awkward little moment that was really fun. But there's just something satisfying about seeing a bunch of people killing children it, it was it was great i had a conversation recently about elijah wood and always like when he gets hurt he's like dirt faces or he's like almost yeah. like orgasmic faces oh, yeah. when he gets yeah. hurt. He's like, the one where Sheila stabs him yeah, is, and he's the, like, is the, the epitome yeah. of uh, you guys but, are making faces on a podcast right now <laughs> i'm making a noise as too Just so, so that, they that sells all it know they looked <laughs> but great. all the audience are hearing is uh, 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 yeah. exactly three men so you know <laughs> This is the Jack Off uh, con- uh, podcast where we all jerk off and you just guys just hear it. The mighty fappin' picture range. <laughs> <laughs> I managed uh, we're, to film, the... we're, we're, we're fans, we're filmmakers, and we're, and we're fapping. fapping. <laughs> um, As we talk. <laughs> and of course I watched The Cloverfield Paradox. So, so let's Yay. get into that for a little bit, for not too long. Hopefully, okay, but... I just want to start by saying that I like the idea of what Cloverfield was doing. Where, well, like the first movie, yeah, but that's, that's fine. But the second one, it was literally just a spec script that they slapped a name on so it would sell. 
And that works. People went and saw it because of the clover. But it was also like, really well made. It was Yeah, it was really well made. They got a good spec script, sold it, people went and saw it. It's giving these independent writers who have written original content a chance to make we a movie. We say that. Damien Chazelle wrote the, the, the Bunker, was it? The one that he was, uh, I think, I don't think he was the first writer. He was the main rewrite on, um, on 10 Cloverfield oh, Lane yeah, I remember before that. it became a Cloverfield movie yeah. too. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so it's giving people a great chance there. But, you know, sometimes they're not good movies and sometimes mm-hmm. they go, hey, let's just randomly put in a whole bunch of Cloverfield links that make no so fucking sense, completely ruin the movie. Not completely ruin the movie. See, it was to ruined me, because it's a shit To me, movie. the Cloverfield yeah. things are the least bothersome part of the movie. Oh, yeah, I was I just agree. bothered by, yeah. like, I, I, they, I get why they're bad, but I also understood why they were in the movie. I didn't understand why literally everything else was in the movie for no reason. Uh, they literally- why was the monster at the end? Why was the last shot of the movie going to, oh, to look, link it vaguely to the original? But it's to a sequely thing, but see that like it's like something like <laughs> something like uh, you know there's this this random argument the plot about oh the Russians are are trying they were trying to make sure all the Russians are dead before we do anything so we've been deliberately sabotaging this like sabotage plot it goes nowhere it's not no, a that's part of the, the movie. sabotage plot was on the other ship yeah. And it doesn't affect well, the on, ship. Yeah, but it was, it was the sabotage ships, stuff yeah. hinted at before they powered up and crossed over. Because it was like the reason why the giant particle collider is... Cl- That's why like the first scene in the ship it is an arguing. argument that comes out of absolute... Like they're having lunch and it's the lunch scene from Alien, clearly. And then... Only not del- done well. And, and then, then they, they just, just attack each other. And they, like, yeah. you know, Daniel Bull, you know, kind of... Bull. Bull. <laughs> uh, he um, chokes the guy up against the wall and there's this... Like, it's like, why is any of this happening? We don't care about can any we, of um, it. Before we, like, can we backstab a bit though? I really liked how they released the movie though. Like, that they're oh, just yeah. like, here's the trailer the after the Super Bowl. The advertising campaign was yeah. genius because I saw it like 20 minutes later. Exactly, yeah. I was like, whoa, it's yeah. out now. Because like in. what I did with 10 Cloverfield Lane was like they announced it two months beforehand and yeah. then with this, they're getting like, and then there's a joke that's like JJ Abrams is going to drive and throw the DVD through your window for the next one. <laughs> um, I think it's a cool advertising thing. It would have been great if they did it with any other movie. Yeah, if they did it with a good film, ah. Oh, because what it so showcases better. is that <laughs> the reason why they did it this way was because it was a bit of a turd. And they didn't want critics to see it. Yeah, and they, do, and, they can and like, hide behind Netflix. As yeah, well. they can hide yeah. behind the oh, we're sudden dropping it as being a thing, and that annoys me because they they they've sort of haven't well advertised some of their other films that are much better. Yeah. Things like Okjar or Mudbound, yeah. movies that really should be getting and they they but they're hardcore advertising totally. bright. Yeah. They're hardcore advertising the Cloverfield paradox. What they're still advertising the Cloverfield paradox. I'm like, why? Everyone oh, knows God. it exists. What makes me worried about this move is that Netflix may be becoming the next straight to DVD, where they go, "We got a shitty movie, just just put it on Netflix." Yeah, it's a difficult balance because because they have a lot of good content. They have a lot of good content. It has, but because Sundance just happened, Mm. and last year at Sundance, just last year between Amazon, Hulu, and Netflix, there was all these bidding wars over films. This year, all uh, so I think. Um, Hulu bought something, but Amazon and Netflix bought nothing this year. Right. Okay. It is definitely changing, and probably for the Noth- worse. None so. of the good, like stuff apparently there was sold. a lot of anyway. Yeah, but apparently been... there was nothing really good because a lot of it was what people had already bought. Like, so A twenty four bought this movie called um, 
Hereditary, which is supposed yeah. to be amazing. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah, dying yeah. to see it. Dying to see it too. Yeah. Um, but like you know, apparently there wasn't anything good really at there, and so I don't blame them. You can't have every year be the best year for cinema, <laughs> and last year was a pretty good one to be. Yeah. Um, but back to Cloverfield, it was just like it was just like I don't understand how they fucked up so bad, given just the breadth of talent. The movie was shot by Dan Mindell, who shot uh, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah. And yet this one looked like crap. It was such a visually indecisive movie. It didn't decide if it wanted to be like a rainy esque There was a lot to do with the editing as well. Well, yeah, yeah. But like it was like a, I feel like the editor was just kind of like, I got, I've got these, how the fuck do I put this together? i got to okay, put in like, the this, subplot on Earth to tie yeah, it back Well, there's, this, there's test a subplot on Earth, but then there's it. whole sequences where it's just like a panning shot of the ship and they've clearly got a whole bunch of wild lines of people dumping exposition. So it's like <laughs> the da-da-da-da-da as if they're just panning across the ship. I'm like, they clearly did this after the fact because the story didn't make any sense. Um, but it looked like us. It was very visually indecisive. They didn't decide if they wanted to be like Dutch tilts and cool camera stuff or a handheld Paul Greengrassy yeah. thing or a classic wide-angle aliens kind of thing. They couldn't pick one. It was funny because at the very start, uh, I thought it was a really strong creative decision that everything on Earth was shot on spherical lenses and it was very obvious to me and everything on the ship was shot uh, anamorphic. And I was like, ooh, cool. And it wasn't until about halfway through the movie I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> No, this was just all reshot because none of this is connected. None of this is useful. Yeah, because it's all um, yeah, this is just this test is screening just, stage. Yeah. They're like, what happened on Earth? I'm like, why is what's happening? Why and do they care about what's happening? Can I just the, the, the girl, the girl, yeah. in, the girl that the guy picks up? Yeah. And it, I mean, I was getting so many creepy vibes because you took her down to a bunker, said, I'm going to redress your wound. I didn't do it right the first time. I was just like, oh, this is giving me creepy I was like, vibes. Like, her name's Molly, and that's the one that was kidnapped in the. Is it? Is, oh. I can't, you know, in Ten Cloverfield Lane, Molly is like the girl who went, who's dead, and there's a photo of her. That that was no, no, that can't be the case because that no. movie's based ten years later, and that kid would be fucking thirty. Well, that's what I thought. I thought because I thought that's how Molly got alternate universes. I thought maybe that's alternate how Molly universes got, where the same person is like born ten years no, no, later. No, 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 that's no, 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 stupid. C- Wait, Chancer. maybe that's how Molly came out of the because <laughs> uh, she went missing from the bunker, didn't she, or she? "Quote unquote," died according to to, to oh, so she John Goodman. So maybe she vanished from that the universe. Yeah, and, that universe. and that's how she wound up there. I don't know. I just the remember thinking, with that is, is, isn't that a name, Molly? Stretching at fucking straws to go. Oh, look, here's there a already fucking are. Link. Did you see that? That it's like oh, uh, the, the Clover Paradox and the original Clover line up together perfectly, and, and these beats. I'm just like, no, they don't no. at all. <laughs> no. it, it was it was it was just you had so much talent. You had Dan Mindell. Cinematography you had Colleen Atwood on costumes, and the costumes mm. were crap. I've, you know, having just you know watched some other movies beforehand with really great, clever costume design. That's also very something like Lady Bird, where the costume design is mm. very realistic and very subtle, but it's there. It was the bare minimum of what it, you it could was do for space work. costumes and, and I like I was saying this chance. It felt like a guy who just watched, like literally, just did a triple marathon of. Interstellar, Alien, and Event Horizon, and then wrote his script that night in one night and then didn't change a word of it since then. Because he was like, you know what? I could do better. Nolan's overrated. You know, that's (laughs) that's the kind of person who wrote this script, it feels like. The only saving graces I think it had was I think Gugu Mbatha-Raw did really good considering she was given the worst possible (laughs) one-dimensional role Mm. for a lead. Yeah. And uh, Bear McCreary did a pretty good score. Uh, it didn't always fit, but I don't know that that's his fault. 
I think he was given a turd. Can you imagine being given the finished film and then having to score a turd like that? Like, yeah. like he did, considering what he got given, I think he did a really good job. <laughs> um, so that was the only saving graces to that movie. I didn't enjoy it one bit. I was, I'd went in because everyone, I was going to watch it the day it dropped and then I was like, I got really busy and then I heard just this wave of how bad it was. And so I thought my expectations had been lowered to like a place where I could watch it and I could say, oh, you know what, this didn't work but I like this and this and this and it was all good. No, no, it was so frustratingly bad in every conceivable way. I was just like, this is... is It's a paradox how this movie is as bad (laughs) as it is. That's the paradox because the paradox in the movie doesn't make any sense. It, it, it contradicts itself every second. You can't say, no, it contradicts itself because it's a paradox. Go fuck yourself. The paradox is how did something like this get made with so much talent? You know what? I can accept that. I am okay with the title now. Oh. And they had like a $45, $50 million budget. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like shoestring. Because I, I, know, I know 10 Cloverfield Lane was 19. 10 Cloverfield Lane was fuck all. You know, Shape of Water is nineteen point five. Like, so there, there's an easy way they could have made this so much like cheaper. There is and, like, so yeah. much they could have made done the same movie for cheaper. They didn't need all these random big, huge CGI shots of a ship that. Uh, and the ship was like clearly like someone looked at Interstellar and was like, well, "I want to do a cooler." The last two films, one. like aesthetically, have been about people on the ground, like just them, like one with a camera and one in the bunker. It's all about like claustrophobia in a sense and it's very small. It's, it's very and you could have done the same thing with on the ship. You like, could have set it entirely on the films. ship, never leave the earth. You know what would have been cool is if they'd like, whatever they did on the ship didn't really fuck up on the ship and it fucked up stuff on earth and so they had to try and fix it from the ship. And they had to keep and everything, you know, like you know, in um, that's what I the Rick the and Morty was, episode, you know, like, the Rick and Morty episode where yeah. they David Cronenberg the universe, yeah. Yeah. something like that, where they keep that's fucking what I up thought the, world. the interview, like the issue was, but then they're like, no, no, we're just going to create alternate dimensions and it'll affect us, and then now there's suddenly monsters on Earth as well, and like, don't come back to Earth, but they, they did anyway, because they were already Rawr. on the escape. Roar! Ah, oh, fucking hell! How, how long did we talk about Cloverfield? We have talked about it now for two minutes. Oh, 20 minutes. Tw- 20 minutes? 20 okay, minutes. let's move on. <clears throat> let's move on. Okay, so adaptations. Because Cloverfield... You, you know, oh, okay, I've never <laughs> seen this level of rage from Chancellor since Alien Covenant. I just found that amusing. He actually jumped oh, out of his chair. There's more rage here than Alien Covenant. Yeah. Alien Covenant is a better movie than this. Oh, and I, no, yeah, I, 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 I said Alien Covenant. I never thought I'd say that a sci-fi movie was <laughs> better... Uh, sorry, uh, Alien Covenant was better than any other sci-fi film, but it is. Uh, the only movie I can think of in recent memory that probably pissed me off more than The Cloverfield Paradox, and it's purely because of length, they're both equally terrible is Noah. Noah is is awful but it's Cloverfield Paradox is as awful as Noah but Cloverfield Paradox is shorter by about an hour so it's a little more tolerable. (laughs) Um, But anyway we're talking about adaptation so why adapt something? What can be adapted and what can't be adapted? Mm. Oh well (laughs) I I always think like with adaptations are they trying to reach more of an audience because like you can have really well, great they already stories have. You already have audiences already, like, that yeah. they bring to. Well, I think screen. the cynical sort of idea of it is okay. that it's like it's all IP. It's about mm. brand recognition. More people will show up. There's a built-in audience that have, have bought their tickets the second you announce this movie being made. But the, and there's also like sleeper stuff. Like Die Hard was technically based on a novel. Yeah, uh, but it was billed as an adaptation as opposed to something yeah. like Cloverfield, which is you know it was originally the God. Particle, whatever. Yeah. And the script. Uh, by the way, another side note on it: the original script is terrible. There are <laughs> character introductions that it's like 
such and such. She's a woman. She's an engineer and a woman usually, but not always in that order. It's like, oh, it's intolerably bad. But um, when when they're billed as an adaptation based on an exciting true story based on the New York Times bestselling, because always the New York Times yeah. bestselling. Okay, isn't, sure. Is, is there any book that isn't on the New York Times bestselling list? I really want to know that because I feel like <laughs> every book has been on the New York Times bestselling list. Um, I'm trying to think. The Bible? The, no, Bible. That's, Bible's that's number like one. Number one. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, there's like, I mean, that's the cynical kind of view, but I think the artistic side of it would be kind of using an established story and then able to express it in a different form. You know, yeah. for, for writers, I think there's a lot of groundwork already laid out for you and so there's more room to be creative. I think, you know, for anyone who's written for the blank page, it's it's, it's terrifying it's not it's not like liberating everyone's it's not like you have the freedom to do whatever you want it's oh i have the freedom to do whatever i want what the fuck do i do (laughs) whereas when you're adapting you have the you have the hard sloggy part of writing done for you in one way or another sometimes you'll have to have like the beats already yeah you have the themes and the ideas and so you can everything you do is automatically pointing or you can you know where you have to point it to as opposed to figuring out where you're pointing at and then pointing everything it's a, that direction. it's a difficult balance because it's like you got to make a decision whether you want to make it your own or keep it faithful so and yeah. like well that's like i always bring up dirk gently but the yes. two tv adaptations for dirk gently adapted the same source material in such unique different ways so the original which was a tv series back in 2010 i want to say yep. Uh, it only had four episodes, the pilot and three episodes, and they went for a more realistic world, which wasn't really in Dark Gently, but the character was so... Totally I'm, Dark Gently. I'm awesome. pretty sure he was even more of a scam artist in the TV show going back and think, thinking about it. I just sort of love where he convinces the doctor he fell off the roof and he's yeah. kind of like, he's like, Dunk McDuff, in lying the on the ground episode. here. This is like, the British one, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he, they really set out to introduce these characters into a realistic world and each episode was literally based on like a random line from the book there's one joke in the book about how they invented a technology where you could put in any uh you you put in any event and anything on the other end so say like you want to go to war with norway you go (laughs) all right that's that's my goal and you go and cheese sometimes smells and that's your cause and it will link the two in a realistic and understandable way that that was a joke in the first book they made that an entire episode in this tv that's kind of cool it's it's brilliant yeah it's whereas when max landis did it he kind of got this absurd idea of the world they lived in and made that but he got the characters wrong uh he got the mystery wrong in the second season could you get the the world but is it one of those things where the source material it's like if you did the world and the characters both that way it wouldn't work? Well, that's what mm. people say. People say it's one of those uh, unadaptable books like Lord of the Rings or something because it's so quirky and weird. Well, but they I say that, that Stanley Kubrick has a really great quote. He says, if it can be thought or written, it can be filmed. <laughs> and I buy that. I just think it's very hard. Some things are very hard and need mm. someone very, very good to do it. You know? well, yeah, well, as far as Dirk Gently goes, I'd say uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the movie, which I really enjoyed. I thought they set up that one brilliantly. Uh, the way they made the little du- uh, Douglas Adamsian jokes throughout in that third person sort of narration way, that is what sold it. And that was a movie that was written by the original writer. Douglas Adams originally wrote that movie script and then died. 
Essentially. Wait, for real? Yeah. Yeah, oh. he was still alive then. He also cameoed in the movie three times. Once as an ear, once as a nose, and once as another body part. I can't remember. But they just had like a 3D printed version of his nose. Oh, what? Yeah. yeah. Oh you can God. watch that movie and go, that's Douglas Adams' nose, know. just like six feet taller. So, like, so translating between mediums, how do you, how do you guys think this works? Oh, see, this is something I've never done, but I would love to do. Mm. I very vaguely tried. I've never done it from a full beginning to end, but I want to this year, I'm kind of going to crack down on my writing because I'm being really shit and slack <laughs> with it lately, but I kind of want to just go and adapt something for the sake of it, just to like something like a book I'd love so that hasn't been adapted and just do it and see if I can do it, do it on spec. Yeah, It's, it's a spec, huge yeah. time commitment. Ooh, I've got a book for thing. you because there's a book I really want to see as a movie, but I can't write it because I suck. I'll give it to you. I'm, which one? Uh, it's called In Her Blood. I believe I told you about it. Oh, the, yeah, you, you sent me. Yeah, I'm, I'll check that one out. But I was thinking of doing um, uh, Mr. Monday oh, okay, by yeah. Garth No, that is what you would cool. do. And That's it's not... Enough. That particular book is not so dense that you'd have to trim a lot. It'd be about just reshaping it enough so that the ideas go. Or I Station by Matthew Riley. I really yeah, want to have a crack yeah, at that. It'd be very hard to do because a lot of it's action. But, you know, you just <laughs> copy paste because he's written the action out yeah, pretty he's well. he's written the, the action book. already. Just copy and paste. Chance um, is a good fucker. <laughs> hey, I've done two action films so far. Yeah. They go for um, about 15 minutes each. <laughs> but uh, so, so, like, what about you, Josh, translating between it? Well, how do you think it works? Uh, even just from how like- do I think it works? Uh, well, it's an interesting process because you got to like break it down on so many levels. Like, like if you think about a novel, it's just like kind of almost streamlining it in the sense or taking what works and what the beats, and then you can apply your own. Say, if the director's writing the script as well, it's like about if they want to have their own voice strongly in the film, or if they want to take a back seat and just put the original author's voice in it. Yeah. Um, comic books, it's like you're a bit more. They're kind of like storyboards in a sense, so you can take those moments and then all those storylines and apply them to something bigger. Like Civil War is way different than the yeah, comic book version. An Age of Ultron. <laughs> have yeah. you seen that little? Yeah, the gift comics are actually where it's good. just they're like. Uh, Ultron, how old are you? I'm not telling. And then it turns yeah. the title, well, Avengers Age of Ultron, funny, question like, mark. Age of Ultron, they literally just took the title because like, the actual story came out like two years before the sequel of the Avengers came out and they they were already, obviously already right. And it was also an actual like long period of time. So like you could call it an age. Yeah, people it's died. Two it fucking a, days. It's like a weekend. Two fucking days. Yeah, the, the week- weekend the, of the, Ultron. The weekend of Ultron. Um, I kind of want to see that now. It's like the weekend, weekend of Bernie's, at Ultron. Weekend of Bernie's, weekend of Ultron. Like, and they've got the body. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that scene with like the, the corpsey looking Ultron. Yeah, the strings. It's all, oh, it's yeah, all yeah. ties together. There you God, go. Exactly. No strings. Um, for me, I think part of the thing that needs to happen is that the core of whatever medium you're writing it into needs to be acknowledged. So, for example, with cinema, it has to be cinema. You can't just have people, you can't just take the pages of the book and do them there and then point the camera at the thing. Like, it needs to be cinema. You well, need that's to be exactly right. You can't forego. And then TV, you need to acknowledge voice. that you're doing a more episodic. I think it's easier with TV books to TV because television is about the closest we have to literature as far as examining story in mm. a not necessarily a straightforward single sitting linear yeah. kind of thing. It's much more like chapters of a book. Yeah. Um, whereas opposed to, I guess, the the more episodic stuff is a little case of the week and so it's more like an anthology rather than a kind of like um, like the Sherlock Holmes ones. I reckon, like yeah. That's why I think Sherlock has sort of lent itself to TV quite well mm. with the BBC series and Elementary. I think Elementary is a pretty good show. Yeah. Um, 
But that's what always, I think that's when a lot of the times it goes wrong is when people haven't, they've just taken it and done it beat for beat and then ignored the fact that this doesn't work in cinema. I think a really good example of it working is in Arrival. Yeah. So Eric Heiser, yeah. I don't know if you know the short story, no, I don't. but so the aliens never come down. They have these like mirrors and they just communicate through the mirrors. And the whole crux was, well, that doesn't work for a movie. You just people talking into mirrors is not very good cinema. It needs yeah. to be visual. You need to see the and sometimes that doesn't have to be a whole changing to all the aliens come down and visit, but that's what worked for Arrival, I think. Yeah, can you do you have an example of one that was made beat for beat exactly like the book and didn't work? Um, um. Yes, uh, I've got it. I wrote it down. You're jumping You're ahead of me. Down. You're jumping oh, ahead yeah, of me. Like, yeah, uh, something very obvious that I know. Yeah, was, so there's something like in like, the back of my head. Yeah, because like, uh, it, it's what the lovely bones. The lovely bones was that really that exact to the book? Because yes, I thought like it is in, almost verbatim from oh. the book, and I quite liked the book. Um, I know Lynn. Oh, no, not Lynn Shelton. Uh, she's the director of. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Lynn Ramsey, um, mm. she was originally writing the script of that and she wasn't a fan of the second half of the book. She says that needed to change and then it turned out that Spielberg got involved with producing it and they really wanted a Spielbergian thing. They wanted to basically do the book 100% screen. Yeah. And it obviously didn't – I mean I didn't like, mind that movie but I, it's not one I visit very often it's, if at all. It doesn't really feel like Peter Jackson directed it. I keep no, no, and it's and that's because they stuck as true with the exception of the visuals of the of like the afterlife and there's trees growing and all this random pretty shit. Outside of that it's verbatim from the book and that's why I think it doesn't kind of work. Um, but what about like when movies translate to the same medium? So essentially you're like reboots or spec scripts. I was wondering if we were going to be talking about yeah, cause I was... Oh, because spec scripts because of Brian Duffield. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Wait, what? Uh, Oh, well, that's why you brought up spec strips because no, of the I brought it because of Cloverfield because we were, oh, that, right, we were that, determined to make that, that thread whole between thing that we spoke about just before. That makes sense. We broke the fridge. <laughs> I think. What about you guys' thoughts on that? Like reboots, kind of, because they're adaptations, aren't they? So I, Ghostbusters. I feel like reboots should be reserved for when the original doesn't really work. Yeah, um, and then you can reboot it, or if there's uh, an appropriate way to. Have it set in like the time, say, say it was a movie in the seventies, and you have an appropriate and like good reason for it to be a reboot and be set in the modern time or whatever, yeah. and like uh, it works. Perfect example: Scarface. Uh, the original Scarf- Scarface, yeah. Yeah. Was the original Scar- Howard Hawks Scarface, and yeah. then two. Yeah. It was all the- about alcohol during the uh, time of prohibition, <laughs> and like now they and Brian De Palma made cocaine. the one about cocaine. Yeah, it's funny cocaine that the cocaine one is now so much more iconic it is yeah. like people, people forget it's a remake Every, yeah everyone forgets a remake I think um, for, I think it needs to offer something new yeah yeah. yeah. Um, one where I think they did a good job but I don't think it connected with the audience really well was the Carrie remake yeah um, because they were a little closer to the book in a lot mm. of ways. That was not believable because it's Chloe Grace Moretz. You don't think she would be bullied. Yeah, yeah I thought like, that was not, yeah, yeah, she, How is Chloe Moretz being yeah. bullied for being quote-unquote ugly? Uh, uh, my main problem with uh, the Carrie remake was that it did nothing different. We live in a very different world to what I we did back like then. When, and they were pretty much just like, yeah, they got mobile I think it's the same with all like the Michael Bay produced like horror movies, like Friday the 13th. And oh, that, yeah. yeah. It's just like... Yeah. I think for, it was funny because when I was in high school and I just read Carrie and I was like, really cool and I watched the movie and I was a little disappointed with the, the 70s movie with Sissy yeah. Spacek. I was a little disappointed 
because it didn't, I don't know, it didn't capture anything. I'm like, you could totally remake it now and use the whole cell phones thing and incorporate that. And then I watched the remake and they just did it for the onesie, the plug it up scene. Yeah. And then it didn't come back. And I was kind of like, I feel like there was a missed opportunity there. Huge missed opportunity. But there was a lot of other stuff that was, I think, good about that movie. I reckon mm. when they played the first trailer and they had like the, the newsreel voiceover and that over just the panning shot up to the burning prom building, I thought they were going to go for because the have you read the novel either of you? No, no, I haven't. So the novel's told in like past, like people accounting what happened in the past, like news yep. investigation kind of stuff and articles and paper stuff, and then a couple of chapters following Carrie's life. And I thought it would be really cool if they did it like that. That would have both been truer to the novel, yeah. but you could have found a way to make it visual in this day and age as opposed to in the 70s. Like famously, like sticking to Stephen King, like The Shining, like Stephen King hated that because oh, it's, hated to- it. it's totally and, different and to what he's he, novel. And uh, then he commissioned them to remake yeah, The Shining. In that, like, 19- was it a TV it movie? Yeah, it was a TV movie. Like, and it is god awful. But it's apparently very accurate to the book. Yeah. Is it? Well, you know what's also really accurate to the book that like super sucks? The Howling Four. Uh, either of you seen The Howling? Is there a Howling 4 book? No. Okay, so what? The Howling, the first Howling, is roughly based on the book. It's its own story and it is a great fucking movie. Howling It's on two, the pile. I literally have the DVD on. Yeah, my oh, good. So there's uh, three Howling books. Howling 2 was written by the guy who wrote the books. It's called, it's got a bunch of different names. It's called Howling 2. Uh, uh, Sherba the she bitch, uh, Howling to <laughs> Sherba the she bitch, yep. Sherba the uh, Howling to your sister's a werewolf. How there's a whole bunch of really ridiculous titles, but it was written by the guy who wrote the novels. Has absolutely nothing to do with the novels, and it's it is a legitimate sequel, quote unquote, to the first one. I think there's also vampires, and it can't really remember. Howling three is the marsupials, as we yep. all know and love. It's based in Australia. They're marsupial <laughs> werewolves. The fourth one is called The Original Nightmare and it's a remake of the first movie but it's much closer to the book and it's at that point that you realise how bad that first book is because it is boring. It is just bland as fuck. Uh, and one of, the, one of the worst things is the fact that you're four movies in. You've called yourself The Howling Four. The reason The Howling works is, spoiler alert, they're werewolves. But it's called The Howling because you don't know they're werewolves the entire time. But they what isn't it? Isn't that howling is werewolves? Yeah, yeah. spoiler alert, man! <laughs> you don't know that in the first uh, book in the first novel. They don't play it up in, in the it, movies, though. In the first movie, it isn't. It is werewolves what? in the end, but, but I'm spoiling know. the movie for you, man. You okay. don't know. For I got sure. told like from the get go that the howling is a werewolf movie. I just, I just always knew say, watch it alongside American It's American Werewolf, werewolf in London. And they're they're kind of like on yeah. par with yeah. one another. But but it plays up the mystery a lot more. Okay. Howling 4 tries to do that, but it's the fourth movie in. At this point, you know they're werewolves. It's really obvious they're werewolves. It's really fucking boring, really fucking bad. And one of the most iconic things in the end of that first movie isn't in the book at all. It's an original concept, which is the fact that she turns into a werewolf at the end on live television. And everyone's like, holy shit. Spoiler. That's a spoiler <laughs> alert. It's a 30-year-old movie. Get on it, man. The, the fourth movie doesn't have any of that. They burn down the house. Uh, his friends the are all a part of his beautiful mind. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, spoilers, oh, man. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, the Howling 4 is one where they went verbatim well 
practically verbatim from the book and it is terrible. But they still made four more movies, so that's okay. That's a, that's a good study, though, if you examine, like, oh, this is the original, which, the original, which is based on the book, is so much better and different, but then they tried it again with the book. And, I think readapting yeah, books good, is an interesting thing. They did it really well with True Grit. Yeah. I oh, think, yeah. especially because the, the first movie isn't that accurate to the book and the second yeah. one is and the second one's an infinitely better movie. I think it's bad. It's probably like sacrilege to say a John Wayne <laughs> movie is bad, but I'm sure he was a racist. Um, <laughs> they all were. Wasn't it John Ford, like a racist or something like yeah, that? We, yeah. They, they really I mean, they lived John through Wayne. the... John, John Ford and John Wayne lived through like the 1910s. Well, can we talk of course about, they were racist. Uh, Link it to Westerns again, like... Uh, the Magnif- Magnificent Seven, or based on Seven Samurai, and yeah. all that. It's just like that's an interesting, yeah, that's, that's like an interesting. transnational ad- adaptation, like stuff. Yeah. Like uh, I want to see them remake the. Uh, I heard a version. There's a Japanese Seven version Samurai. of Ghost with the the pot making and everything. You're <laughs> yes. not even kidding. I need to see <laughs> I gotta this. See this because I always but, bring it up because yes, people I talk about watch. when like a movie's adapted and set in America, and they're like it's whitewashing. I'm like, well, ish. But they're only whitewashing in the sense that they're setting a movie in America and then using all white people. Yeah, setting in America isn't in itself whitewashing because there are adaptations done of all different stories. Like Bollywood adapts, you know, Asian movies. Asian movies adapt Bollywood and UK and Australia. Everything gets adapted everywhere. Yeah. So translating it, setting it in a different place, isn't whitewashing to me. Whitewashing is when you're deliberately making an all white cast. And, and I think when they do adapt it into another country, they really should. Uh, have a reason for it or make the fact that it's a different country somehow impact the story because otherwise... But then doesn't it only impact the story if they know the source material? Should, the movie should uh, be able to exist without the... Did you watch Old Boy? I have not watched Old Boy. Okay. Not the original. Gonna, no, the this isn't yeah. a big spoiler, but there's the very iconic hammer scene yep. where they go through, he's like beating shit up. That's because... Uh, what country is Old Boy from again? Korea. Korea. I wanted to yeah, say South Korea, Korea, but I didn't want to sound like racist. Hopefully you're all wrong. And you all sound racist now, but yeah, in Korea, they don't have they don't have guns, so they use what's there. So they use the hammer for the fight scene, which is why that makes sense. In the American one, why the fuck don't any of these guys have a gun? Well, he's just got a hammer and he's going to beat the shit out of you, and then they all get Spike Lee. The like literally, make that scene like a gunfight or something, because there is no gun fucking up. reason <laughs> that all of these people don't just shoot him. He's just got a hammer. He's not that bad. Chancer, do you want to remake this that scene and we just do it for fun? And you just shoot yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Indiana him. Jones thing was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think that's the thing is though, like adapt, like the challenges of adaptations is mm. that like adapting something that is already good yeah. is really hard to do and to do well. And I think they, there's sort of two problems. You either you have you're either too in love with the source material. Yeah. And you treat it with too much reverence mm. or you don't care about it at all. And both of those things make for bad adaptations. I was yeah. listening to this Neil Gaiman interview and he was talking about how, I don't think it was um, uh, Coraline. No, it was Coraline. I think it was like the first draft of Coraline and he got handed the script by the guy who was writing it and he turned it around and he said, you've just done the book. That That's not, that doesn't make it a movie. Like, do you know, you don't have to, be that faithful to it because I understand the book is the book and a movie is a movie. And he's like one of those authors that really is quite liberal with how what he lets other people do. Yeah. That being said, I think, you know, American Gods is one of the most faithful book adaptations, but it it makes it purely fit the medium that it's in. Cool. At least season one, they've kicked off poor, uh, what's his face? The showrunner, Brian. Uh, um, Brian Fuller. Brian, Brian Fuller, Fuller has Hannibal been guy. Yeah. kicked off. 
for budget reasons oh, again. He 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 left Star Trek, but his name's still in Star Trek. I yeah, but apparently it? it was it was he wanted his version of. I, I thought it was amicable, and he did it to focus on American Gods. Turns out, no. Okay, uh, he wanted the Star Trek reboot to be an anthology each series just focused on a different thing Ooh. completely different story oh, cool. and and then he settled with making the first season um relate to the the main star trek that we all know yeah and he wanted a bit more of a traditional look and the studio wanted the the edgy the flashy, flashy uh, yeah. new looking <laughs> the, uniform the star trek the lens flare thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and so there was enough arguments there that he left that's right. Um, I reckon that's really cool because did I ever tell you about my <laughs> my uh, Star Trek web series I wanted to do where it was essentially the office in space where it was this captain who's in like in charge of like a really oh my God. low down ship. It, he, was he, he was so like, fun. That's he's like, like a garbage that what the man Orville essentially. Is? Uh, probably. I haven't seen Orville. It's no, I think the Orville is still more like sitcom-y like. Okay. Like, it's not but, like but yeah, style. pretty much. It, 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 it's, it's pretty much Michael Scott- from the office, or uh, <laughs> uh, what's the name? Brent, David Brent, D- David Brent from the office as a starship cap, Starfleet captain. It's kind of, funny. and it's him trying to be cool. And he ends up creating this whole Klingon war because <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing and ends up fucking up the whole universe. That's hilarious. Or just Write that, it. Just Write it. like, yeah, yes, I will. Like a Ron Swanson as a Star Trek character. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when adaptations go wrong, I mean, we've kind of touched on this because Chancellor yep. made me skip ahead. Sorry. But I think uh, <laughs> uh, Age of Ultron's a per- perfect example of that. Uh, but none of their movies, like they, they're, t- they're Age taking of the Age of Ultron is just a, a thing. But the thing is, is that all of the Marvel movies are about that thinly related to the oh, source material. No, 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 but I mean the fact that the characters and that, and the reason for the characters and the themes that Age of Ultron explores, completely thrown out the window to make an Avengers two, just because uh, I think Robert Downey Jr. wanted to make Ultron. Because uh, when, when he when he made that big contract, where everyone's like, "No, you got a million dollars for everybody. It's all good." Uh, that contract also made him decide what the next story was going to be, Ew. which is why it was Age of Ultron. Which is why instead of Hank Pym creating Age of Ultron, it was Tony Stark. What a dick! Yeah. I think that's <laughs> that's a lot of the problem is when they throw out things that they think aren't relevant to the source material. Mm. And maintain the things that aren't, that are like window dressing. I think a really good example of this is um, The Golden Compass. Yeah. Have either of you guys seen the movie? I haven't no. seen it. Um, you no, haven't so seen I've, the movie I've, I've and heard... you have you read the book? No. Oh, God. I just heard vaguely about... I'm talking yeah. into the abyss. To any of our listeners who have seen The Golden Compass and read the well, book... Also, Shane, just articulate your thoughts. It takes... Well, what it does is it thinks the cool <laughs> thing is this world and there's like... Everyone has an animal spirit and there's a polar bear that talks and they think that's what's cool, whereas what was cool about the book was all these like philosophical and religious allegory things that went into it and that's all gone. It's all gone for basically trying to do another because they did it as their follow up to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they're going to make the, it was their next link to Narnia. So it's like, yeah. like we're going to make the next. Like, yeah, Lord yeah, of yeah. Rings, Narnia. Um, My sister's keeper is another one that did terrible by the source material. Mm. Have either of you guys seen and or read it? No. I'm going to spoil it for you. So, because right, you know, you know, you know the so. the premise <laughs> of it is is that there's a girl who was born to basically be a donor to her leukemia riddled sister, and she then sues her parents for emancipation for medical emancipation, so that she no longer does she no longer um uh, has to give platelets and all that to her dying right. sister to keep her alive. 
and it causes this big rift in the family. It's like a family drama. Um, and in the book what happens is it turns out that I think they kept this, that it turns out that the one who actually made the girl try to get emancipated was the dying sister. She wanted to die. She didn't want to keep going through this. She made the sister do that and not tell anyone. They kept that. But then what happens at the end of the book is there's a car accident and the main girl dies and she donates a thing to the dying sister that actually like cures her properly because it was like you'd have to like, I mean, it's already an ethical weird situation, but they could have done it before by just killing the daughter and straight up taking the stuff. And so, and there was this whole thing because the movie's called My Sister's Keeper. It's like the whole theme of it was written into that. In the movie, the leukemia girl dies and there's this weird monologue about how I was my sister's keeper at the end. And it doesn't, it, like the entire point of the book is gone for the set dressing of the, the legal story, which is the least important part of the book. It, oh, was, it, was, it was such a bizarre choice. I don't know why they did it because it's the source material and it meant something to the source material. It wasn't yeah. like you're changing the race or you're changing, you're not changing the set dressing, you're changing the core theme of the thing. Yeah. Uh, um, I Am Legend is one that... Oh, oh yeah. That would oh, Because you haven't read the book me. yet, I tried reading it a very long it's, time it's, ago. It's vampires, right? It's actually like... Oh, they don't like... Don't get me fucking started on the monsters. It's vampires. Yeah. They, they are vampires. They yeah. are definitively vampires. Yeah. The whole book goes into this whole scientific process about why they're vampires, how vampires exist. Robert Neville isn't a fucking uh, scientist at all. He's literally no, no, just the only this, guy this is, alive. We are his story and this is his legend. Oh, fucking hell. The that, reason it's, it's called, called I Am, Am legend. legend is completely wrong in both versions of the story. Because... Uh, no, in like, cause in it's the, been adapted like five times. No, no, I, I just mean in the new movie. Uh, oh, okay. I, uh, what was the other one? Cause the I Omega seen, Man. I've seen the Omega, Omega Man. Yeah. I haven't seen The Last, Last Man on Earth. Earth. Um, but not the TV show, the two and what? No, so we'll, yeah, no, not the TV show. show. No, I mean the Vincent it's called the Price Last Man one. on Earth, and he's, I mean, very much not the Last Man on Earth. Well, <laughs> in the Vincent Price one, no, no, no. In in oh, the, the TV Will show, Forty the TV show, where... the whole concept is he's the last man on Earth, except there's sure is a fuck ton of people for him to be the last <laughs> man on Earth. <laughs> Well, Vincent Price is the last man on Earth. That, that, apparently, the Vincent Price one, the last man on Earth, is the best adaptation. Haven't seen it. I saw Omega Man. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't that good, especially as far as an adaptation goes. That was very much, this is the story of I Am Legend, but we didn't get the point. Whereas the I Am Legend movie is, this is roughly the idea, but we definitely didn't get the point. Even when we killed him in the original ending. And, oh, wait. No, he, they killed him in the new ending, but he survived in the original. I can't remember which one. They both sucked. Because <laughs> the reason, the whole fucking reason he is legend is because he was the last man on Earth. Vampires have now taken over the world and he would go out. He's now the vampire Yeah, to the he's vampires. going out in the middle of the day, killing all of them. And then when he's going put on trial, right before he goes to, uh, they go to kill him publicly, he looks out at them, sees them looking at, his, uh, at him, terrified. And he's like, oh, wait, I'm now the monster. I yeah. am the legend. I'm the, I'm the outlier. The yeah. I am legend. And then he kills yeah. himself before they get to do a public execution. Uh, the movie doesn't get the It was so, point. and it was weird, oh. bald CGI immune. But anyway, um, like another really terrible thing is when they adapted Lethal Weapon, Rush Hour and Minority Report into TV series Ooh, from the movies because go. they literally turn all of them into case of the week. Well, Minority things. Report was like a completely different type of story, right? No. Oh what? No, they literally it's a con it's a canon they, they continuity to the, to the movie. The, and then, yeah. 
it's it's now the precogs are left out and then they're just like and it's, they keep the saying yeah it's case of the week they see something and they have to solve it in a future and it was so bad um i have to ask before we sort of move to the last part of our topic the cat in the hat what is your guys thoughts on that movie because <laughs> it has universally hated but i love <laughs> i love the movie i love it's the so movie fun. right it is ridiculous fun because there is no just, way that's just thought. mike like mike myers going to town just yeah. like having a fun but even like ball. you know like they've got the the ocd guy played by sean hazing's like one two yeah. three four five six seven eight nine with like the hand wash it's like I disgusting love it. alec one yes. <laughs> yeah it's like i and because there's no way that that source material makes a movie no not it at does all. not in the least I, I can't see how they could make a movie based on the, the cat in the hat any other way that, that's one that's actually one of my favorite adaptations because it's taking the ideas and being like all right that's just put our own voice to it and then that was yeah. perfect Crank yeah. it to except everyone away. hates it like everyone loathes that movie so it's much a meme it's now. yeah i'm very much on the back foot of defending that movie uh, um and we we can't obviously talk about adaptations without bringing up the movie adaptation like <laughs> charlie kaufman <laughs> yeah. and yeah, spike jones uh, you guys have both seen it yeah no i haven't, I haven't seen you it, haven't like, no do you know the backstory behind it yeah, uh, vague. Oh my it's god! Not me, Zane. Well, I, okay, <laughs> so I haven't seen it in ten years. Am I remembering correctly in the sense that Nicolas Cage plays Charlie Kaufman, right? And Charlie Kaufman's twin, Andy. Yeah, Kaufman. yeah, yeah. No, isn't it no, Andy Larry Kaufman? Uh, but, but okay, so but the <laughs> Andy Kaufman is the other name <laughs> Charlie Kaufman. Yes, because I know it's based on the so, story. Before so what happened was Charlie it. Kaufman after the, the runaway success of being John Malkovich. Everyone was like, oh, he's the guy to go to to do weird movies. And so they bought this book that was a New York Times bestseller called The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean about finding rare orchids. And it's a really dull, factual book. It's like a very normal, factual book. And he went to try and do it and he struggled and he struggled and he struggled. And so he ended up coming back to them with a screenplay about him getting the the assignment to adapt The Orchid Thief and turn it into a movie, and then and then the movie is about him turning into a movie, and then he invented a fictional twin who, in real life, was no, like the fictional twin was nominated for the Oscar for adapting the book. <laughs> Jesus. And it is such a mind fuck of a movie when you know that the story behind it is sort of what it is. It's such a good movie. I think it's one of Meryl Streep's best works as well, yeah. which is you know she's done a lot of good stuff, but she was nominated. Her and Chris Cooper were both nominated for Oscars. I yeah. think Chris Cooper won. Uh, it's great. It's such a good movie. It's and on it's Netflix, so, so I and then that's watch like it. when the adaptation has gone in a completely different direction. <laughs> and there's a couple of things like that, like um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean yeah, is was, a really good mm. example of an adaptation that comes from a really weird source material. Yeah. Uh, you know the whole backstory behind that, right? Ish. Secret of Monkey Island? No. Video game Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, these guys were hired to write a movie, they wrote the movie. It didn't really work. Things were going wrong, and they ended up adapting that into Pirates of the Caribbean by Disney. You go through and watch. If you've played Secret of Monkey Island, you can go through mm. and watch all the Pirates of the Caribbean, and there are all these little nuggets from Secret Monkey of Secret Island. The whole uh, uh, ship city where it's like made of a bunch of ships—that's from Monkey Island. Uh, the main character, who's like this—he uh, even looks like Guybrush Threepwood, uh, Elijah. Wood. Fucking hell. The other... Eyebrush Threepwood. Guybrush Threepwood. That's his name. Orlando Bloom's character? Yeah, yeah Orlando yeah, Bloom's yeah. character looks like Guybrush Threepwood. Uh. The whole movie is so obviously meant to be a secret of Monkey Island movie, but it just didn't pan out that way. Uh, so it's, it's not only just an enough. adaptation of a uh, ride, it's also kind of an adaptation of a video game. You've also got like Steve Jobs, 
which is yeah. based on like a really dull autobiography that's now like this weird virtuoso three act theater esque thing. World War Z is another one. Fuck that movie. Yeah, I mean it's a bad movie, but it's very interesting that the source material is nothing like the movie. And then the movie was a runaway hit. You know, <laughs> let's see what the sequel's like. Did you realize this Fincher. is Chance's Rage episode? Yeah, no, <laughs> it's um, There Will Be Blood's interesting too because it's literally like a chapter from a book about the history of oil in America and he turned it into like a three-hour movie. Wow. I did not know uh, that. Yeah, impressive. so the book's called Oil! Exclamation Point and he took like one part of that book and turned it into There Will okay, Be Blood because right. he read it as like an airport book and he just <laughs> loved it. Like while he was like for slight fight, flight... What do you call it uh, as, uh, when you go different time zones and you can't sleep? Jet lagged. Jet-lagged. It was jet lagged yeah. and reading it while jet lagged, and it gave him inspiration <laughs> for a movie. Um, Kingsman too is very interesting because the comics and the movie are nothing alike. Yeah, no, well, no. well the, the first movie is kind of vaguely similar to the first. Uh, they thing, but there they drew a one. Mark Hamill's character to look like Mark Hamill in the comic. Oh, and they're like, yeah, Ma- Mark Hamill is Mark Hamill in the comic. Is he? Okay. Yeah, okay. in the comic, it actually was Mark Hamill because because uh, the the guy that uh, that makes Samuel sense because the celebrities yeah. was a massive nerd and he wanted to like save all the Star Wars cast. Oh my! God. And then he ends up dying at the very start as well. Um, <laughs> so, are there things you think are dying for an adaptation but haven't been adapted? Skullduggery yet? Pleasant. Skullduggery motherfucking. Skullduggery Pleasant. Pleasant is on my list as yeah. well. <laughs> uh, I think all of Matthew Riley's stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Just has to be made because it's so cinematic inherently. Mm. Um, I love Zatanna. As far as superhero go, I want to see a Zatanna movie. I really want to see a Zatanna movie. I want to do it myself, but no one will. Oh, Justice s- League Dark is that happening yet? I don't know. Uh, they've the look, director dropped out, so look. it's probably going to be in Delvelm and Hell. <laughs> if anything else, a good Green Lantern movie would be nice. <laughs> but is the Green? I don't find the Green Lantern particularly interesting as a character. I'm just like, eh, well, which one? Because there's like you will them into and like the the concept of you have a ring and you will things into being. Like, ah, that well, there's like the Red Lanterns load. There's like different spectrums of colors that you can explore. Like there's like, like the, red kryptonite and black kryptonite. <laughs> no, that's, that's stupid. That's yeah. small. Yeah, that's that's a different one. Um, uh, we got In Her Blood, that whole series by, uh, I can't remember the writer's name. Ooh, uh, oh, what is it? The first 13 Lives of Harry August, which have you read yet, James? First 15 Lives, 15 lives no, of Harry No, I haven't, August. but it's on my pile. Yeah, no, that is a, re- and I reckon that can make an interesting movie. Does it work for cinema visually? Is there like an opportunity for visuals there? There's the opportunity for it. I don't think if they adapted it straight, it wouldn't work. Okay. But the st- way they Shotgun. tell the story is really interesting. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'll just go up. I'll just buy the rights. I, just, I have yeah, money. Well, that's a good kind of a play. Anything else? Anything else to add? Let's no? get into our top five. Top five adaptations. Um, I'll go first and I'll list them really fast. Um, <laughs> my honourable mentions are Hellboy 2. Because oh, yeah. Hellboy 2 cool. is the least Hellboy of the two movies and it's more of a Guillermo del Toro movie, but it still works. Yeah. Um, the Flintstones. I love the, <laughs> the live action Flintstones. Uh, Charlie's Angels is great. A yes. lot of these we discussed when we did TVs turned into films. Mm-hmm. Man yeah. from Uncle. Um, I love Matilda, Silent Hill, Blade 2, for the same reasons as Hellboy 2. This is not a top five anymore. No, no, this is my, uh, this is my honorables. Oh, uh, no, Little Shop of Horrors, The Wizard of Oz, uh, I Zombie, the TV show, I think is really good. Uh, Clue. Mars Attacks, because Mars Attacks is based off a card game. Oh, like, I forgot like that. Trading I remember I cards, that and out. it turned into a thing. Uh, and Ouija 2, because yeah. that's based okay. on a, not even a real board game. Uh, but my top five adaptations, <laughs> I have number five is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, yes, God, absolutely. Gold, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, number 
four is Orange is the New Black, the TV show. Oh, well, what was it's, that based on? It's a book and it's cool. a book of an actual woman's account of being in prison. But what they did is they took the premise and then they just explored and they just changed all the women she met into all these different kinds of women, black women, trans women, Russian, old women, young women. Um, it's such a great... It used the book as a jumping off point for a TV show because a TV show has to go on for a lot longer than a book yeah. ever will. And so they did a really smart thing and it's just a really great... It's a great show if you haven't watched it. Uh, new season will be due out later this year. Um, number three is the Lego movie because yep, they adapted yep. Lego. Yeah. They adapted Lego and made a movie out of it. <laughs> and they made a movie out of the idea of how people play with Lego and turn that into a thing. And it was so clever. It was so, so... Only those two guys could have done it. Um, number two is the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Yep. Because that is pretty literal to the source material, but in and of itself it's a much more cinematic thing. They take a lot of the, a lot of the, the novella that it's based off is the voiceover... And then they make the cinema all the bits in between. It's really, really clever as an adaptation. And then uh, number one is the movie Atonement. Um, I had to actually do an assignment on this. We studied adaptations in film school, and I to- I was the top of my class uh, for <laughs> humble brag. Say, I got, you know humble brag. Um, and I did my assessment on Atonement, so I had to read the book thoroughly and watch the movie. And as an adaptation, it's really good because it t- there are moments in the book that are very literary that are untranslatable like if you were to just do them directly. And so the movie takes those moments and finds a cinematic equivalent of something. They say, oh, well, this was used to express that, so what kind of cinema can we use to express that same idea? And it's really good as a translation because it's pretty faithful and it changes where it needs to change to make the movie a piece of cinema. So that's my top five. Cool. Uh, Chancellor? I will go for next then. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to assume, I'm going to go ahead and assume this is on Josh's list as well, so I'm sorry in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Die Hard. You mentioned it's, it earlier, which is why I'm a, assuming it's, it's an adaptation. Oh, actually, so it's an adaptation, so it is interesting because it was um, technically a sequel because yes. the guy who wrote the book, he wrote this book that was adapted into a Frank Sinatra movie. Then <laughs> he wanted to make a sequel starring Frank Sinatra. So he wrote a sequel to the book that would want to become a movie, and then that ended up becoming Die Hard. Bruce Willis is not 80 years old in that movie. It's a completely <laughs> different character, but the same story. It'd be funny if he was. Oh, it would have been. Um, the next one is The Thing, uh, John Carpenter, which yep. I think if I didn't put this on here, I would have Have you myself. read the original I've like, read the little original. short story? Yeah. So, so good, right? It's so good, and it's such like a, a small, succinct thing, and I love the fact that it's also adapting... The, the the previous film, so it's yes, technically yeah, a sequel yeah. to this. Wait, which I haven't read this. What's the source material like? Uh, the, 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 so the book like little, is... Is it a book or a novella? It's a novella. Novella, yeah. Very short. Yeah. Um, so it's more... It, it's Because, like, have you seen the original Howard Hawks one? Like, Howard Hawks? Howard... I haven't. I've seen bits and pieces of it. So that was, like, a big plant monster. Uh, so that was more about, like, the world of, like, these people stuck in a small area and the uh, high-tension from that whereas the thing had the the original book had the shape-shifting alien which the new movie has oh which the movie has sorry and then the new new movie which adapts <laughs> the uh, original movie as a movie no it, prequel. it, it adapts the the other situation yeah, it, that it's it, like started it, it, it it's adapts, the rogue one of the thing no 
Because it's no, good. It's it's actually decent. Yeah, yeah it's not bad. But, in but, terms of what it was looking but, at. But no, because it was the because you had the original Howard Hawks. Then John Carpenter's was a sequel to that, but it was like, oh, but it wasn't a plant. It's a thingy. And then this one was like, oh, I'm remaking this one <laughs> to be a prequel to that one, where it's actually an alien. Let's put yeah. the axe in the door. Um, my next one is actually two because it's kind of a gray line. It's both the nice guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. They're both adaptations from these schlocky. Uh, uh, Are they pulp full fiction. adaptations? No, pulp, he gets the rights to them because, like, technically he didn't have to because he's just pretty much going. I have a mystery. He's writing a story. It's, it's Shane Black's writing a script. He'll go through and read these pulp fiction novels, and he'll find like one bit, and it's like that's the clue I need to bring it all together. So uh, he ends up calling up the granddaughter of the person who wrote it, who he's now friends with, huh. uh, and he gets the rights from her to make the film as an adaptation, which is why it's a gray area. Uh, the next one I'll say is The Little Shop Horrors because it was originally a movie that was shot and made in three days and then they adapted that for Broadway and then they adapted from Broadway as yeah. another movie. Um, and last but definitely not least is The Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the oh, Lambs yeah. is the perfect, as far as like uh, the movie goes as... It's an adaptation. It's faithful to the books. It what it cuts out isn't necessary, so it's fine. And it's why I hate Red Dragon so much more. Is because Red Dragon isn't trying to adapt Red Dragon. <laughs> it's trying to be a prequel to Silence of the Lambs. They are both very different stories. The characters are so fundamentally different, and the fact that Red Dragon is literally just oh, remember Silence of the Lambs? Well, hey. Remember the nineties? <laughs> yeah. Remember the eighties? Remember the nineties? But yeah, that's my top five. Go, Josh. Josh. All right, well, I'll start with honorable mentions because there's so much. Uh, like Shane, Lego Movie. I'm putting Scott Pilgrim on honorable mentions as well, and Jurassic Park and Shawshank Redemption. Uh, all, all those like Jurassic Park's great. It's very different from the movie. Well, the that's book. the thing. I think I love both the book and the film like almost equally because they're both different, but I enjoy both their different tones and styles. So my main list is number five is Psycho because it is yes. based on another one. It's like Alfred Hitchcock, what more can you say? Um, Bates Motel is a really interesting I was going to mention that it? because uh, I started season one and I was like, oh, this is okay, but apparently it gets better. So yeah. I should yeah. probably try and stick I with like it. I like the fact that the Bates Motel is technically an adaptation of the fourth movie. That ends up turning because the fourth movie is a prequel. Mm, yeah, don't ask why Norman Bates is so much older in the prequel. Just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, and then number four is Arrival because I haven't yeah. read the original source material, but I heard like just, when I found out it was based on something, I'm like, oh, it seems interesting. And, like technically it fits, and I love Arrival. Uh, number three, Jaws. Yes. Uh, improves the novel greatly. You want to know, there's a really cool spec out there called, um, there's another bad version of the same uh, thing. It's called uh, The Mayor of Shark City and it's the story about Spielberg <laughs> doing Jaws right, and about okay. all the hell that went on it. Okay. And it's, I want to, like, I would kill to be able to make that script in a movie. I don't think I'm going to get to, but I would kill to do that because it's a really fun thing. There's another version called um, The Shark Is Not Working and it's a really crappy, wanky version of the <laughs> same story. <laughs> yeah. but anyway, sorry, continue. Um, and number two is Kick-Ass. Yes, Mark Miller, like Matthew Vaughn, like this pre uh, Kingsman. Uh, just loved both the source material and the Jane movie. Jane Goldman too is the author. That was their first pair up. No, they paid yeah, up yeah. first for Stardust. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the movie took some of the elements of the they cut it. It cut out elements of the graphic novel that I didn't like, like and the rape scene. Yeah, and like <laughs> the whole thing. 
thing with like the girl hating him after he reveals he's not gay. I love that. And I it's like it's, it's hilarious, but I was it's just such like, a down note. It's such a down note. Um, yeah. And number one, like Chancellor, Science of the Lambs, because yep. uh, Thomas Harris, baby, <laughs> right up in me. And such a good movie. Jonathan Demi, may you rest in peace. What a fantastically directed, acted, scripted, just edited everything movie. It's pure. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> How shit was the Hannibal's sequel, though? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Ridley Scott. Scott. <laughs> Ridley Scott. Just, Good old Ridley yeah. Scott. No, I just, no. Fuck Red Dragon, fuck the Hannibal's. Yeah. No, just like, fuck everything. But Science of the Lambs, though, and the Hannibal series by Brian Fuller. Mm. Which I still have to see, but I will. It's, yeah. on my, it's on my pile, too. Anyway, that ends our We're done. wonderful topic. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our rant about Cloverfield Paradox. And if you feel the same, why not contact us? We're on the Twitter and Instagram at Picture Angels. You can email us with your big theory about why we're wrong about Cloverfield Paradox. At and I mo- will fight you. <laughs> MotionPictureRangers at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ShaneM underscore Anderson. You can also find me on Instagram, but it's really complicated to say my handle. It's 24 frames, but the T is a 2. And you use the number four, so it's two twenty four, as in the digital, the, the so number confusing. frames. <laughs> so if you can figure that one out, find me on in, <laughs> find me on Instagram, Josh. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at that Sundance KD. It's on in all caps, and that's really yeah. Maybe reveal my Instagram later, but yeah, whatever. Chanster, uh, you you can follow me on Twitter at Chanster, or you can follow me on Instagram at the Chanster. Which oh, wait, was it the other way around? I can't no, remember. the chance is your Instagram. Good. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, and you can find this and other many great podcasts at that's not canonproductions.com. So please like and uh, leave a review for us on, on iTunes because we, we want your feedback. We need your validation. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Objectively be bad? Yes. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from it. I'm Alex Smith. And I'm James Keogh. And on our new podcast, My Songs Suck, we talk to writers and musicians who share with us some of their earlier, less good content and reflect on how far they've come. If you want to get in on the fun, head to That's Not Canon Productions or find us on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcatcher you use. My Songs Suck, because everyone makes mistakes. Just make sure you record them. That's Not Kind of Productions podcast.